Funding for this edition of Think Tank with Steve Adubato has been provided by the Turrell Fund, supporting reimagined child care. The New Jersey Economic Development Authority. New Jersey Sharing Network. Atlantic Health System. Building healthier communities. Horizon Blue Cross Blue Shield of New Jersey. Here when you need us most. Community Food Bank of New Jersey. Robert Wood Johnson Foundation. Working for a healthier, more equitable New Jersey. Prudential Financial. And by New Jersey Institute of Technology. NJIT makes industry-ready professionals in all STEM fields. Promotional support provided by Insider NJ. And by New Jersey Monthly, the magazine of the Garden State, available at newsstands. Hi everyone, I'm Steve Adubato. This is part of our Reimagining Childcare conversation with four experts, four professionals, four people who care, who care deeply about childcare in the state and this nation. We're joined by Natasha Johnson, Assistant Commissioner for the New Jersey Division of Family Development, and Winifred Smith Jenkins, Director of Early Learning Policy and Advocacy for, at ACNJ, that's Advocates for Children of New Jersey and also Megan Tavermina, president of the New Jersey Association for the Education of Young Children. I want to thank you all for joining us. You honor us by being with us. You can say thank you. It's okay. <laughs> Let's jump right into this. Um, Assistant Commissioner, I want to ask you, we have been doing this reimagining, reimagining child care initiative for several years, talking about accessibility, affordability, quality child care. What, if any, progress have we made in this state first and in the nation as it relates to those issues regarding childcare? Please. So good morning and thank you for having me. Um, I think we've made uh, some progress in state where we have had a tough three years in the childcare community um, in the state of New Jersey and nationally. And I will say that um, it was exacerbated during the pandemic. These are things that existed before, and it really came to the forefront during the pandemic. Um, we took some opportunities with state and federal funding during the pandemic to try to help the childcare community um, and looking at the entire ecosystem for childcare. So looking at how do we help parents, how do we help providers, and how do we help the workforce? Because I think they all needed some assistance during this time. So we took some opportunities to just give you a couple of examples of looking at, you know, how do we, we in New Jersey actually had about a billion dollars that we uh, distributed during the course of the pandemic out to the child care community. Um, and we looked at for parents eliminating co-pays that they had to pay to providers and paying that directly to the providers. We helped providers with operational costs, health and safety grants for the workforce provided hiring and retention bonuses um, to assist providers in either retaining or a recruiting staff during the pandemic that we knew was very difficult. Some people had facility needs that they needed money for. 
some of the things that people don't talk about is we increased some funding around mental health and added health consultants to address some of the needs of kids and teachers during the pandemic that were really needed by the provider community. And then we increase our subsidy rates for children in our child care assistance program during this time. But, but Natasha, let me, let me ask you this. And, and we appreciate you laying out what the Murphy administration has been doing in this regard. And again, we'll make sure the websites for every organization, it's up your particular division uh, of family development will be up as well. However, when we talk to child care providers, Winifred, who say they can't hold on to their professionals in child care centers. They can't afford to pay them what they need to be paid to do the job they're doing. State government involved, federal, COVID money, not going to be there any longer. We don't know how the state's fiscal situation is going to be. From your point of view, Winifred, how are we doing as it relates to accessible, affordable child care? Despite all the positive things that the assistant commissioner just laid out, where are we falling short? Please, Winifred. So I think we've made some great, some great first steps. Um, I echo what uh, Natasha has said. We've had a really rough three years, but this didn't just start because of the pandemic. This is a systemic problem that's been going on for a really long time. There is a lot of work that still needs to be done to get us to accessible, affordable, high quality childcare. Okay, but but let's be more specific. Um, Megan, when it comes to the issue of let's just deal with paying childcare professionals, workers slash professionals, enough so that they stay in the profession so that a childcare center can stay open so there'll be more childcare centers for people to access in their community and it's affordable and it's decent quality childcare. Am I oversimplifying it, Megan? You're not oversimplifying it in thought, um, but in practice and systems, it's not that simple. And as much as the providers would like for it to be that simple um, and just to be able to infuse that money into our compensation streams, we do feel like most of our problems would become much lighter. The reality of it is, is that we have to look at um, how we can use our current systems here in the state of New Jersey. It doesn't Money doesn't just drop in from the sky and land into onto providers' desks. That's what we would like to happen, but it's not what happens. It has to come through different systems. It has to hit an array of different types of childcare providers. But the, the real reality of it is that we have one thing that I think that has changed to get to your point, Steve, is right. that I feel that society is starting to recognize the value of early education and those providers. Are we? I do. I do think that we're starting to recognize the value and valuing them are two different things, right? So valuing sure. them means putting dollars behind it. Exactly. And so that's what we're working on. That's and an accounting expression for money. I'm sorry. Yes. <laughs> There's a lot of rhetoric going around about children, child care. It's important. Quality, accessible child care and the economy directly related. Rhetoric is easy. Mm -hmm. Resources are hard. Please, Megan, pick up your point. So the, the finding the funding within the systems is really the challenge, right? We're just not as much as, you know, Natasha had mentioned a billion dollars sounds like that should have solved this, this problem, but compensation isn't the only problem. While if you ask me, I might say it's the only problem because it's something I'm very passionate about. It's not the only problem in the system. And so those dollars dilute very quickly, much faster than you recognize. I do think that we need to change the dialogue around what an early childhood professional is and start using the right language to match those dollars. So we need to be looking for Example. credentialed teachers. We need to be looking for 
people with degrees, that affects your higher ed system. So now we're bringing that complicated system into it. We also need to be able to look at retaining the teachers that we have right now by compensating them now, not by what we want them to be five or 10 years down the road because they're long gone by that point. Why are we not simply, I'm sorry, Megan, for interrupting. Why are we not treating childcare professionals in the same way we treat, <clears throat> excuse me, K to 12 public school teachers? Why are we not doing that? Two reasons. The first reason is the funding is not equal. You just have to lay that on the table. The funding that goes into DOE versus the funding that Department goes into of education, DOE. dollars going directly into public school districts in order to pay for what you need to pay for a core quality education and keep quote property taxes down in that community. Go ahead. Right. And then I'll keep that, going around on this. That's the first thing. And the second thing, if we have to lay the if we have to be really open and honest about it, is the credentialing isn't the same because the requirements haven't always been the same. To be a teacher in the, in K to 12, you have to be degreed and credentialed. To be a teacher in early ed, it has not been a requirement. And so if we want to raise all of those things together, they, they they do go in tandem. But is is there an effort to, in fact, quote unquote, professionalize assistant commissioner the profession by credentialing in a different way? by having standards that are higher, which would allow for potentially higher pay, and frankly, the state and the federal government be, being more committed to a funding system that's comparable to state funding for our public schools, K through 12. Assistant Commissioner, please. So I think there are a couple of things going on in the system right now that hopefully will lead us to that. Um, so one is there is some conversation about the professionalism, about the positions. The, my colleagues at the Department of Children and Families are working on looking at a, a path for that to happen. So that some of that is on the way. I will also just add that we have a quality rating and improvement system in our state called Growing J Kids that I think- What's it called again? It's Growing J Kids, which is the quality oh. rating and improvement system. So essentially, it's an initiative to help raise the quality of childcare and early learning across the state. So it provides concrete support to providers to improve the services they're already providing and also about them getting new activities to improve quality. I think the thing that people don't understand and respect about the childcare community is that education does not start in kindergarten, right? It, it starts early. And so part of this program is helping providers to get the information that they need and the support that they need so that we're laying that out for children and parents for everyone to understand. We also want to move away from the nomenclature of daycare, right? Because I think the reality- Try, try of that again. This is a big one because words matter, expressions matter, framing yes. the narrative matters. Please, Assistant Commissioner. So I think we, uh, you know, because I think my back goes up every time I hear people say daycare, <laughs> because I know that our early learning community and childcare community are really educating children every single day. And That's I think right. in order for staff to be able to see, be seen as professionals and seen the same as they are in the public school system, we have to get away from looking at it as if we're just babysitting or providing daycare to children. I'm going to come back to you, Assistant Commissioner, um, to talk about the Thriving by Three uh, uh, grant program in just a minute, but but Winifred, I see you, you've been with us many times. I see you shaking your head, nodding, not because you're happy, but because you're acknowledging it. Please talk about the daycare, childcare issue. So we don't watch the day, right? Uh, we are uh, early learning professionals. Um, and so I think that that's, that's really important to emphasize. Words do matter. How the heck did we ever get to the point Winifred, and you understand this because ACNJ, our longtime partner, Advocates for Children in New Jersey website will be up. Cecilia Zalkine, your previous 
leader, um, done so much to help our initiative, um, Reimagining Childcare. But I'm curious about this. You've seen this from a lot of perspectives, Winifred. How do we ever get to framing the narrative around childcare in such a trivial fashion? Oh, that's a that's a that's a big question, Steve. But that's um, part of the problem. And I'm I'm not, I'm not I'm public broadcasting. We're tied. I'm, it's not my job to editorialize or do commentary. But it seems to me, for all of us who've been, and I've said this before, blessed, fortunate enough to be able to have and afford quality childcare for our kids, it allows us not just to know they're going to be okay and grow and develop before kindergarten, but that we can work and our families can thrive. How do we ever get to the point where it was so trivialized, like it's not that important? Daycare, childcare, what's the difference? Please, so I, I think that it's rooted in um, racism and sexism. Um, and we have to understand that, you know, just because you're a female doesn't necessarily mean that the work that you do isn't important, right? And so I think that people have devalued the work that goes into educating and nurturing and caring for children, but also um, elevating our society, right? We're planting the seeds, we're setting that foundation for everything else that's gonna come. And until we value that and we kind of start to change the way we care about the people who are caring for us, um, it's not gonna get better. I just want to be clear, we're going to take a break and we'll come right back. And again, I want to talk about Thriving by Three, a very important state initiative. But Winifred, I want to follow up one more time on this. Are you saying because women disproportionately are childcare professionals slash workers, they staff childcare centers across this state and nation, that in and of itself, and a high percentage of those women happen to be minority women, that that is part of the reason why childcare has been devalued and not respected to the degree it should be. Absolutely. I mean, if you think about it, civil servants, they don't necessarily have to have a degree, right? So we're not talking about education at this point. We're talking about gender. We're talking about race. For those who think this is a negative conversation or we're just describing the problem, I promise when we come back, we'll, we'll continue to do that. We'll talk about some actions that need to be taken for our children, for families, to connect childcare, quality, accessible, affordable childcare to our economy, to a thriving uh, community. And I'm off my soapbox. I'll be right back after this. To watch more Think Tank with Steve Adubato, find us online and follow us on social media. the Community Food Bank of New Jersey. We are working. Now more than ever. To fill the emptiness caused by hunger. We are the state's largest anti-hunger organization. And together with our 800 plus community partners. We are committed to delivering food. Help. And hope. To our hundreds and thousands of neighbors in need. I am alive today thanks to my kidney donor. I am traveling and more active than ever before. 
I'm alive today thanks to my heart donor. I'm full of energy and back singing in my church choir. I'm alive today thanks to my lung donor. I'm breathing easy and I'm enjoying life's precious moments. There are about 4,000 people in the years who are waiting for a life-saving transplant. Donation needs diversity. For more information or to become an organ and tissue donor, visit njsharingnetwork.org. Welcome back. Uh, we continue our conversation about reimagining what childcare could and should be in this state and nation. Uh, Natasha, if you could describe Thriving by Three. We'll put up the information because there are a lot of folks who can and should be uh, qualifying for that uh, program and accessing it, please. Absolutely. So uh, Thriving by Three is legislation that was signed into law by Governor Murphy um, in the summer of 2022. And the purpose of the law was, one, to incentivize the expansion of capacity for infant and toddler slots. Um, so making sure that providers are available to serve kids in that age group. It was also had two other priorities. One was providing technical assistance to child care providers and supporting the developmental needs of young children. So sort of looking across the spectrum, of not only let's get the new slots, but obviously helping the providers to be able to serve infants and toddlers in their care. It's a three-year grant program. And so because of the unique needs of the provider types, so there are a couple of provider types in the state. There are um, center-based care uh, for care done in centers and then home-based care by family child care providers. Do both of them qualify? Yes, they do. Both of them qualify. So because there are unique needs for those two different um, ways of providing child care, we are implementing Thriving by Three in two different phases. So phase one um, started in March of this year with child care centers and Head Start programs. And essentially what providers needed to do is complete an application process where they talked about how they would increase capacity or add slots to their programs. They had to demonstrate need. So some of how they demonstrated need by was saying to us, they have waiting lists, parents waiting to be able to put infants and toddlers in care. Some of them had the capacity, but no teachers, empty classrooms and no teachers. And Megan and Winifred are very aware of the situation going on in the community. So um, this is part of what they had to demonstrate in the application process. A percentage of the grant funds that they will receive had to be used for teachers. So they could use it to incentivize new teachers, give bonuses to existing, or any other options that the providers right. wanted to use to hire and retain staff. Let me, let me just do this. Sure. With the website up right now, uh, Assistant Commissioner, if someone accesses this, can they find out, I'm sorry for interrupting, but I'm, I'm in a amount of time. Can they find out more of the details, the specs, if you will, of the program? They can. So they can go to childcarenj.gov. I will tell you that right now we have closed the applications for childcare centers because we received over 540 applications statewide um, requesting more than 11,000 slots. So because wow. this is a three-year grant program, we are in the Got process it. right now of reviewing all those applications for eligibility and then providing grants to the providers who are eligible. And then we will be starting phase Got two, it. which is for the in-home providers uh, here soon. Thank you, Tyson. Um, Megan, jump back in here. Your reaction to, first of all, what impact beyond the particulars of the program, what is from your point of view, the most significant impact of thriving by three? I think the most significant impact is definitely the fact that it's highlighting the need for this for this type of work um, from the state governments, local governments, just from the society in general, that infant and toddler care is expensive. It's out of the cost of providers to be able to provide on their own, and it's out of the reach of parents to be able to afford on their own. So 
this um, type of legislation highlights the exact type of work that we need to start breaking down and the problems that we need to start solving. So let's stay on that. And, and I'm going to be clear on this before we talk a little bit more about affordability. Is thriving by three, it was legislation, was it in fact sponsored by State Senator Teresa Ruiz? Yes. Yes. Team, put up our website so people can look at the interview we did with Senator Ruiz, where she talks in detail about that. Um, I, I want to go to this question. Uh, Winifred, I want you to jump on this, Megan, and Assistant Commissioner as well, uh, Natasha. Affordability. What specific programs exist, not just for child care centers, regardless of what type they are, but for actual individuals, government support, state and federal government support to help families afford quality, accessible childcare? Winifred. So I think that question is probably better answered by Natasha. Um, she can talk more about the subsidy system that exists in New Jersey. Not just the subsidies, but, but I'm talking about, is it, we're talking about government. The only support that would come would be from government, correct? Meaning there's no movement in the private sector to help their employees afford childcare by saying, we're gonna discount it, we're gonna give you a subsidy, we're gonna do whatever. That, it's isolated, but there's no movement in that regard. There are some businesses um, that I've heard of that are starting to look at childcare as a benefit similar to healthcare to attract, their own, to attract their own workforce and looking at um, centers that can provide their workforce the ability to do the work well and recognizing the economic downfall that their industries have when childcare is not um, thriving. I would not classify it as a movement per se, but I know that there are some, and I cannot tell you which businesses, but just from being a provider, I know a select few parents that have been able to take um, this benefit on. But, but think about this, again, I'm gonna try not to editorialize, but if you look at this from a practical point of view, if retaining your best employees, which is a huge problem, we've talked about it in so many ways on our, in our programming, if in fact, a pension program matters, quality healthcare coverage matters, why would then childcare support not matter if in fact, disproportionately for women, but for men as well, that it would help the family and help retain the workforce? Isn't that smart business? Assistant Commissioner, please. Uh, I think it is. I think some of it is awareness for people running businesses to be able to acknowledge that. Um, I can tell you I have been in conversations with um, leaders of corporations and companies and small businesses and medium businesses and large who it's a second thought. They don't think about the impacts of childcare, except when an employee calls out, can't come to work, and it impacts their day to day. And so we have been trying to say to them, and you know, we use some of our staff at our local child care resource and referral agencies, so there's one in every county. For employers to touch base with them, they can help them think through how can you partner with a local child care center or family child care provider to provide that support for your employees. Let's do this. We were talking about uh, subsidies uh, available to individuals. You can go on the state website as well of, of the uh, Division of Family Development. Uh, Winifred, I'm going to come back to you on something. Is what we are talking about a child care crisis, quote, nationally, or is there something unique about New Jersey that makes our health care challenges different, Winifred? No, this is a national crisis. Um, but I think 
Childcare, we have to remember, is a market failure. You can only charge what the market can bear, right? And so the only play, only way you can start to play around with anything, unfortunately, is with um, salaries and wages, right? Um, so we have to understand until we start to better care about the people who are caring for us, we are not going to change anything. We've got to properly compensate people. That's so important. Is there a discussion? I'm afraid to bring this up, but um, with the United States Congress, with our leaders in Washington, is there a meaningful dialogue going on? Look, you can look at our website, see interviews we've done with Senator Booker, Senator Menendez, members of the congressional delegation talking about this issue, childcare. But is there a meaningful discussion going on in Washington about the national childcare crisis and what action the federal government needs to take beyond what it's doing right now? Megan, how do you see that? I think that um, to go backwards um, in the order of your questions, I think that we all recognize that child care, the funding issue of child care has to be a, a braided and blended approach where it's going to take federal resources, state resources, local resources, and private resources, That's as right. well as parent input. So when we isolate that conversation to what needs to come from the federal government, um, I think that is a conversation down in D.C. I know that from the New Jersey delegation. It's a strong conversation that's being brought down to DC, but I think that it gets diluted when it comes down to how are we gonna fund that and how are we going to get that across um, in, into the right buckets so that it affects change in the industry. Got about a minute and a half left. Assistant Commissioner, the silver lining here as it relates to childcare, the positive note we wanna leave this program in a meaningful way, not a fake way, is what? Where's the silver lining here? I think the silver lining is that um, we are here to support the childcare community. I mean, uh, Winifred, Megan, and I have been on many conversations together over the years, and I think it does take an entire village and community to understand what the issues are. We can't talk about these things in isolation. Sort of to Megan's point right now, we can't point a finger in one direction. Everyone has to come together. It's employers, it's parents, it's providers, it's advocates, it's the state, it's the federal government. It's it's Everyone has to be at the table, and I do think the silver lining is that Childcare is now on people's radars in a way that it never was before. Well said. And by the way, blaming is not a solution. It's just the thing we right. do. Right. But also the media, Winifred, and you've been with us so many times with Megan as well. And Assistant Commissioner, we will look forward to having you back. There are so many players in the childcare equation, and that includes public awareness. And this is not going to turn this into a commercial for what we're doing. But this initiative about reimagining childcare. Someone might say, well, haven't you had that discussion on childcare before? Why are you doing that program again? It's like, are you serious? Look at how far we need to go. So I ask you, um, Winifred, the role of the media in terms of public information and awareness, childcare. We, we need to keep having these conversations. We cannot allow the conversation to be over um, because the problem isn't solved. And it will make a difference on how the economy thrives and how families thrive. Megan, final words. Silver lining? I wanted, I, my, my silver lining is that the, you and other media outlets are still talking about it, because I think when we take our foot off that pedal, that is very easy to get overridden by a lot of other social issues that are um, coming up as well. So I thank you and other media outlets for continuing the conversation so that nobody is under the false assumption that we are done. Uh, I want to thank all, all of you for being not just part of this program, but part of the movement, the effort, the uh, the commitment to quality, affordable, accessible childcare, and part of our conversation. I want to thank you so much. 
So on behalf of our entire team, particularly those working on reimagining uh, childcare, we thank you for watching. We'll see you next time. Think Tank with Steve Adubato has been a production of the Caucus Educational Corporation. Funding has been provided by the Turrell Fund, supporting reimagined childcare. The New Jersey Economic Development Authority, New Jersey Sharing Network, Atlantic Health System, Horizon Blue Cross Blue Shield of New Jersey, Community Food Bank of New Jersey, Robert Wood Johnson Foundation, Prudential Financial, and by New Jersey Institute of Technology. Promotional support provided by Insider NJ and by New Jersey Monthly. the Community Food Bank of New Jersey. We are working. Now more than ever. To fill the emptiness caused by hunger. We are the state's largest anti-hunger organization. And together with our 800 plus community partners. We are committed to delivering food. Help. And hope. To our hundreds and thousands of neighbors in need. I am alive today thanks to my kidney donor. I am traveling and more active than ever before. I'm alive today thanks to my heart donor. I'm full of energy and back singing in my church choir. I'm alive today thanks to my lung donor. I'm breathing easy and I'm enjoying life's precious moments. There are about 4,000 people in New Jersey waiting for a life-saving transplant. Donation needs diversity. For more information or to become an organ and tissue donor, visit njsharingnetwork.org.